following podcast deals with mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. If you have any information that can help bring Candace home, please come forward to police or you can remain anonymous by reporting to Crime Stoppers. Last time on Deals, Deaths, and Death, the disappearance of Candace Singbeal. You heard my co-host Julie speak to investigators responsible for three significant pieces of the ongoing investigation. The search of the area Candace was last seen and a private landfill, and Project Searchlight, a data mining operation of cell phones that have been seized by police. In episode five, when one door closes, another one opens, we introduce you to Detective Sergeant Aaron Moser. Aaron is the lead investigator of Candace's file, and we want to know what's next. I'm Kelsey, and I'll be your host for this episode. Deals, Deaths, and Death continues now. So settle in, and let's get to work. When someone goes missing, if they aren't found within a year, they're considered a long-term missing person. Candace is one of 19 in Saskatoon. Similar to the Singbeals, there are other families grappling with the devastation of not knowing what happened to their loved one and wondering where they might be. It's a roller coaster of emotions and never-ending, unanswered questions. This feeling has a clinical term. It's called ambiguous loss. We aren't medical professionals, so I'll quote the Mayo Clinic's definition as a person's profound sense of loss and sadness not associated with the death of a loved one. In other words, there remains an emotional connection, but the physical one is gone. With Candace, there was an absence of being able to say goodbye, leaving those left behind struggling to find a new normal. Another way to look at it is it's left these families with a perpetual, but sometimes elusive sense of hope that they often question. Here's Pauline, Candace's mom. Hope. Boy, that is a strong word. Um, I was always told never never to lose hope. It's always there. Um, there are days when I ha- lose hope because the reality is it's been a long time. Um, you see other stories that have gone unanswered for many years. But of course, there's always hope. If you lose hope, it's, it's kind of your demise. But while hope comes and goes for the family, it hasn't for any of the investigators that we've spoken with. They all believe the future holds answers to this investigation. And Aaron Coates, the lead investigator whom you heard from in episode three, would love to be the one to deliver the news to the Singbeals. When I left the section, I can't remember who the staff sergeant in charge was at the time, but I've always thought, like, if I am still working here, and I better still be working here when we find Candace, and can I be the one that shows up at Pauline's door and gets to share the news? Whether that's possible or not, I don't know. That's kind of a pipe dream of mine. But I really hope I get to see it, experience it, hear it, at least while I'm still working here. 
We asked everyone we spoke to what it will take to solve Candace's file, and the answers were unanimous. It's going to take someone coming forward with that one piece of information that cracks this wide open. They might not even know they have it, but hopefully, maybe even by listening to this podcast, it triggers a memory for someone. Or maybe someone's life circumstances have changed, that now is the right time for them to come forward. Here's Tyson, the orchestrator of the landfill searches and Project Searchlight. Because their lives change. Like in, in, I've been around here long enough that the baddest of the bad when I was in my younger days, I was, we used to work in the gang unit and, you know, I've seen what 10, 15 years does to some of the hardest core people in our, in our society, right? And life just happens. Addictions happen, poverty happens, bad yeah. health happens, time happens. Say time is not on their side. No, right. And, and that happens for, you know, even our people that may know something that all of a sudden, they could be in a position where the reasons why they were so reluctant change. In June of 2016, a man named Jerry Constant pled guilty in the Saskatoon court of then Queen's Bench for his role in the murder of Karina Wolf. Karina was a 20-year-old Indigenous woman who went missing in 2010 and whose remains were found five years later in 2015, only a few months after Candace went missing. We bring up this file because of the way that it was solved. A CBC Saskatoon article reported that Constant turned himself into police, having attended to the headquarters building, distraught and hearing voices. He gave police critical information that led to the discovery of Wolf's remains in a rural area northwest of the city. This is one example of what it can take. Erin Coates was in major crime at the time of Jerry Constant's confession, and while she wasn't involved as the lead investigator of that file, she describes what that feeling would be like for the person bringing the information forward and the peace they may finally be able to find. It would be a relief. It'd be an unbelievable relief and a weight off somebody's shoulders that they're walking around with a secret. And the secret isn't theirs to carry alone. There's a whole community of people that supported Candace. There's a whole community of people that hopefully support them. And coming forward could relieve that burden. Up until this point, we've told you what has been done over the last eight years, but we wanted to know what's next. We've heard that despite Candace being considered a long-term missing person, the investigation is far from being classified as cold or inactive. And who better to give us some answers than the officer who's in charge of the file today? My name is Aaron Moser. I am the sergeant in charge of the Missing Person Task Force and the lead investigator on the Candace Singh Bill file. Aaron has over 20 years of policing experience. And as the current lead investigator, he knows there are pros and cons to coming into this file more than eight years after it first happened. On one hand, you've got a massive amount of information to review. But on the flip side, you're not starting from scratch. But a new investigator also offers a fresh set of eyes and a new perspective. And Aaron has just that. Within all that information, being able to lean on all the investigative experience that has been done already, he can glean new avenues and leads to chase down. 
is probably one of the uh, largest investigations that our police service has ever been involved in in terms of the resources and manpower um, and the different investigative tactics that have been used over the course of the investigation. Um, so with that comes a lot of information that has to be reviewed. Um, but the advantage is that all that work has been done. And, you know, there's that saying, when one door closes, another door opens. And um, I would characterize the state of this investigation and uh, the course of the investigation kind of in that manner. I'm really excited about, you know, the coming months and, and the next year. Um, because I think that we have a number of strong um, investigative leads that we're going to be in the process of, of following up on. Part of what Aaron is talking about here is Project Searchlight, which you heard about in the last episode from Tyson. When Tyson left that unit, investigators were starting to comb through the 74 Celebrate reports. That's the data that comes from a person's phone. Uh, project Searchlight is still an, an, an active uh, project within uh, this investigation, um, and I anticipate that it will remain active for a considerable period of time because of how much information was gleaned from it. Uh, we were able to identify and confirm um, a number of different individuals who had communication with Candace, who had relationships with Candace. We couldn't help but wonder. With all that information from the Celebrate reports, should people whose phones have been seized by police be worried? Aaron wouldn't answer us directly, but he does confirm that they've identified a number of different people and that that information is informing their investigation going forward. We're going to speculate here, but maybe, just maybe, some of those people should be worried. Up until this point, the investigators you heard from have been open with us about the investigation and what they found, and probably more appropriately, what they didn't find. But when we speak with Aaron, it's different. This is a file that is on Aaron's desk. Even when we try to push him for more, he holds his ground. Here's my co-host, Julie. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate a little bit here. And sure. Mm -hmm. I work for the Saskatoon Police too, but people on the outside need to know even us on the inside don't get the full inside scoop on investigations. Like you're not revealing all your cards. There are investigative tactics here. So is there things that you can even hint about doing or places you're going to search or you use the word may a lot, but what's yeah, happening I, behind the scenes? Yeah. And I understand why people would want to know the answers to those questions. Um, this because this still is an active investigation and because we do believe Candace was a victim of foul play um, I can't tip my hat uh, too much to that but we don't want to jeopardize the investigation Towards the end of 2015, after hearing the family's public plea for assistance in a police news conference, a person came into the headquarters building with a bag of items that had belonged to Candace. Aaron, who was actually unassociated to the file at the time, was the officer that received those items. In the bag were a number of photo albums and books. One of those books was a small diary. On one page, amongst the mess of scribbles and random notes written in red ink, 
we came across a poem that appears to have been written during one of Candace's periods of incarceration. Throughout it all, we were struck by her level of awareness to her situation and understanding of why she did what she did, but also how she seemed to foreshadow her future. While this isn't Candace's voice, these are her words. Why am I here? Because I failed, ended up in jail. Why don't I change? Because why am I here? Why am I scared to succeed? It'd be the best indeed. I dry my tears, hide my fears. I miss my boys. I try so hard to stay apart. I'm doing my time in a cell that seems to ring a bell. I made a mistake. That's all it takes. I was selling blow to keep my flow on the go, but now I'm screwed because I got caught. Now I pay the price just like dice. I have hope, but still, I do dope. I took a toke, blew out the smoke, but still I feel insane, so I stick a needle in my vein, try to cover up all the pain. It's like all the years of being hurt and abused. I'm so confused. I try and I try, but I still end up crying. But I want to change and succeed. Oh yes, indeed. I'm far apart from the start, but minute after minute, hour after hour, the clock is ticking, so I better start. We asked Aaron what he thought after having read the poem. It's a very, uh, it's a lot of suffering. I feel as though it allows me to see Candace through the eyes of somebody who knew her or somebody who cared for her. Um, there are so many emotions that come through in the poem that she's expressing that was haunting and knowing that her life ended and uh, she was never able to get herself to a place where she clearly wanted to be. Aaron believes there are two ways this file gets solved, a confession or good old fashioned police work. So until we get that break in the case, we don't stop. More people will be spoken to, new information will be followed up on, and the investigation continues. If the person or persons responsible are listening, we'll repeat ourselves. We don't stop. So let's get to work and finally bring Candace home. At the time of this podcast release, we're nearing Christmas, a special time of year when families typically gather together. Once again, the Singbill family will feel the void Candace has left behind, that empty seat at the table that they've been waiting for Candace to return to. It will be their ninth Christmas without her. If you or someone you know can help bring her home, please contact police. You can also remain anonymous by reporting to Crime Stoppers.
We'd like to thank everyone who made this podcast possible. First and foremost, we want to extend our deep gratitude and appreciation to the Singbeal family for again sharing their thoughts, memories, and love for Candace with us. We'd also like to recognize and thank Donna Gilchrist for sharing her lived experiences and allowing us as close to a first-hand view of what Candace's final years were like. Our appreciation also goes out to the SPS investigators for working with and trusting us to share aspects of the investigation. Staff Sergeant Doug McNeil, Sergeant Aaron Moser, Inspectors Aaron Coates and Tyson Lavalley, as well as retired Sergeant Kevin Montgomery. Lastly, thank you to you, the listeners, subscribers, and our overall podcast community. We are incredibly grateful for your support, feedback, and enthusiasm. When, not if, there are updates to this file, you can trust we will be back to share exclusive details with you here on Deals, Deaths, and Death, The Disappearance of Candace Singbeal. And the blood will dry underneath my nails And the wind will rise up to fill my sails So you can doubt and you can hate But I